1: All right, everybody. Welcome back to the New Truth Podcast, episode 22. And we are ridiculously excited and grateful to welcome Lola Pickett to the New Truth Podcast. Thank you for being here with us today. It's
2: so much fun to be here. Thank you for having me.
1: This just gets better and better every episode, every week, and we are very, very passionate about bringing on women that are 100% living the unconventional life. You challenge so many paradigms, and I can't wait for us to dive into that, and most of all, to highlight the work that you have created on what it means to be an empath and a sensitive woman in the world. So today's episode, the gifts of your sensitivity. So if you are a woman who's ever been told you're too sensitive, this one is for you. Mm -hmm. So Lola, through her courses and programs, Lola Pickett empowers empaths and sensitive folk to rewire their brains, bodies, and behavior for internal and external resilience, shifting from self repression to soul expression. Yum, (laughs) what an epic sentence, shifting from self-repression to soul expression. She is the published author of The Wild Messenger's Alchemical Tarot and founder of Empathology, an emotional, mental, physical, and spiritual resiliency training program. Her offerings blend cutting edge neuroscience with trauma healing, herbalism, permaculture, ritual, and play, yes, (laughs) to create powerful and lasting results. When not facilitating transformational work, you'll find Lola on a hike, wildcrafting medicines, and loving up on her husband, kids, and kitten in the mountains north of San Diego, California. Ow! Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes! And we have to sh- talk about how I met you in 2013 when, my gosh, were you calling yourself an, an animal shaman? At that time, I was a totemic
2: shaman as coined by my community. And I was kind of a reluctant shaman because (laughs) I know the weight of that word and I no longer even use that word. Um, Mm. But at the time, it really did kind of encapsulate the work that I was doing and in connecting people with the wild elements of who they are in the the shape and form of animals.
1: Oh, my gosh. And so I'm watching this woman have a language that just, I mean, I was ignited by you every time. And Mm -hmm. then I reach out to learn about my spirit animal and similar to what's been happening around empaths, getting this download and receiving the messages on introducing the type of empath I am, let alone what my spirit animal was. I'm like on the floor crying, like this woman gets me. (laughs) How does she do this? How does she do this? Mm -hmm. And so you have to start with just you know, maybe tell us about one pivotal moment in your life that has really shaped who you are and your message and perhaps a moment where you really broke free from one one aspect of an old paradigm that our culture has been, Ooh, been thinking. There, We're going to just dive into this big question. I mean, there are so many,
2: but the one that always comes to mind is the moment that I woke up to the lies that I had been living inside of. Um, I had just had my first child. So this is about 10 years ago. And I remember I was working from home, you know, lucky to work from home, but at a job that I just despised and really drained my energy. It did not it did not um, challenge me in the right ways. And it was also like ethically opposed to what I believe in. It was in the beauty industry. And I just, I was in charge of marketing for this company. So I was trying to like sell a message and craft a message around something I didn't believe in. That was a, a misalignment that was painful, but it paid the bills. And so- I had a really hard time justifying doing something else until I was scrolling on Facebook one day with my newborn son laying on the floor below me and just trying to take a break from this horrible job that I was in. And this poem comes up on my feed and the poem said, all parents are liars because they tell their children they can be whoever they want to be when they grow up and they systematically destroy their own dreams in the process and never believe in themselves. And I was like, ah, like this knife went into my heart and I looked down at my son. I remember this moment, like it was yesterday and I saw his eyes looking up at me and I was like, I, I can't do this. Like, I can't, I I won't be that parent. I won't be that mom. I want to be able to tell my son that he can be whoever he wants to be when he grows up. And I won't do it until I'm living that life myself. I I will not be a liar to my child because I've been lying to myself for long enough. Um, Mm. And I didn't know just how pivotal that moment was going to be until I started to really get honest about all the lies I had been telling myself about my life, about my marriage, about my career choices. Yes. But like I had built this life at the time I was 30 years old that looked from the outside outside. Uh, Looking in like it was exactly what you would want. I had a white picket literally a white picket fence I had a golden retriever. I had my one child. I had a like thin fit body I lived by the beach in San Diego. I'd married my college sweetheart And so I was like, well, Mm -hmm. I mean I followed the recipe like I did all the things, right? Why am I depressed? Why don't I have a sex drive? Why am I questioning my sexuality? Why? um, Mm. Why am I so miserable? And so I spent, you know, a few years acknowledging I was miserable and trying to like change superficial things, change my job. We had moved to San Diego, like all these different aspects. Um, But the core of it was that I had built an entire house of cards. Every aspect of my life um, had to change. And that moment with my son was the catalyst that really began to inspire me to take different actions, make different decisions, ask different questions and ultimately take full responsibility for my life, um, which is terrifying. Wow. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> this
1: is so like, there's that. <laughs> so there's that and, and talk about my God, the old paradigm here, yeah. here's what you're supposed to think will make you happy. And it takes, God, what a powerful moment. And it takes so much courage to be impacted by cause how many women oh well, I can read Facebook memes or listen to a podcast all day all day long and not act upon what's actually happening in my soul, in my body. So let's yeah. let's follow this story. Then what? So, have, so this yeah, moment, like, what then? happened? Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, the first thing I did was I started to express myself. And I think that's really like the the first step is like even in your own journal, really going, Okay, what's going on with me? What do I want? I mean, there's so many places where we're afraid to be honest. You know, like we're afraid to be honest in our own thoughts. We have shame spirals about our own thoughts, about our own desires. So how in the hell are we ever going to create a life that feels good if we can't even be real with ourselves inside our own heads? So I decided to take it one step further and take it out of my journal and start blogging. And so I started to blog. Mm. This was like in 2011, started to blog about what does it mean to be happy? You know, like, what is it? Is it even a, a goal to be aiming for? And if it is, what does it really mean and is it is it far away or is it right here? And if it's right here, how do I undo all of the conditioning that's telling me it's not? That it's in the next bottle of wine, that it's in the next pair of shoes, that it's in the next tags I rip off of my shirt and lie to my husband and tell him my mom bought them for me so that I don't have to admit that I've gone shopping again.
0: <laughs> I used right? to do like,
2: that. <laughs> <laughs> real story. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> real story. Um, and so I, I called this blog Revelish because it was like, I want to revel mm. revel in my life. I want mm. to to find out what that even means. And so I started blogging and like right away because I'm a communication empath, which we'll talk about, my words have a great amount of potency to them for whatever reason it is. There's this like magic that happens when I start to express myself through language. And so I started to weave these connections through this like random blog I started. And then I was like, well, maybe I could do something with this. I was still at that horrible job. I was still in my first marriage. My practice marriage, as so I call it, <laughs> um, and, and so I, I was like, well, I want to learn what to do. So I started to look around. How do I like monetize this? How I, how do I make this into an online business of some kind? I mean, this was still fairly new, like the landscape for online business then was nothing like it is now. And there was not a whole lot of information out at the time, but I did, I started to sign up for courses. And the funny part is, is that because my background is in marketing, graphic design, I was doing all of the design for my own website. And so I would join these courses and the courses would teach me some stuff, but the community was like, dude, how'd you do that with your Facebook profile? Like, I want that. Can I pay you 25 bucks? So, what happened is I, I had an accidental online business show up in the course of pursuing how to create an online business. <laughs> and of course, that, that thing, that alignment happens because I was following the intuitive yes, yes. in my life. I was like mm-hmm. listening for the next weird signal of what to pursue. And it oftentimes didn't make a whole lot of sense. And I had to kind of like figure out how do I convince my husband I need this like $2,000 online business course, you know? So I had to have all these like questions and conversations that were really awkward. But at that Facebook post, like it hit me at the right time, you know, we can see things a thousand times and read it and think we understand it until we need that thing, until that thing hits us at a deeper level. And all of a sudden that gut punch happens and then we start to stand up and rise up. And that's what happened with that Facebook post. That's why I was able to act on it because it was just my time. Um, I was in too much pain to ignore it any longer. And Mm. that's, that's a lot of times, you know, where we end up. And so I took this course, I had this accidental online business show up and I went from um, my $45,000 a year job to my first $10,000 month within about like 30 days. I mean, it was crazy, crazy. And it's not always like that. And it hasn't always gone like that for me since then it hasn't been this like linear, like, oh, and then like now I'm making a million dollars a month mm-hmm. and it's so easy. Oh my gosh. Cause it's aligned. And like, that's how it works guys. Yeah. Um, that is not how it
0: works. No, <laughs> but
2: it just happened to be the right moment. Mm-hmm. And so I, I quit my job and I had this conversation with my boss after writing a blog post about my boss that he found, um, which was really awkward.
3: <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs>
2: and it was just all about like how I didn't really believe in what I was doing and he didn't talk to me for like two weeks, which was really fun. Oh. Um, and this is before I quit. So anyway, we like repair the relationship. I'm like, you know, I just have to have a place to put this stuff. I'm feeling these things. It's real.
3: Mm.
2: Uh, and it's not your fault. You know, it's not the company's fault. It's just me and my journey. Right. And so I quit my job. He was like, I'll see you in three months. Cause this is like, this is not ever mm. going to work. And I'm like, okay, buddy, I'll never see you again, but thanks. You know? And um, the truth is, I never did see him again. And I never did have to go back to work. And because I have continued to listen to that, like, here's the next right thing. It's that Frozen 2 song that is so magical and perfect (laughs) and so um, appropriate for our journeys. Mm, It it was like the next right step. And that next right step asked me to open my first marriage, which was like so against everything I believed in and, you know, like till death do you part and how do you start oh. to, how do you start to look at the fact that we are dying all the time mm-hmm. and our old identities are dying. And sometimes we've made agreements from a, a, a person that is no longer. And how do we honor that? How do we question ourselves constantly? How do we stay present to what we need? this was like the most awkward three years of my life. Everyone (laughs) like this was Mm -hmm. not this bed of roses. Um, the tale definitely does not exist, Mm -hmm. but what did happen is because I was following the intuitive. Yes. Asking hard questions. I did meet someone amazing. Um, my business did continue to at least support me if not flourish all the time. Mm. I started to feel an integrity with how I was able to talk to my son and encourage him. And, um, my life has unfolded since then it's been 10 years since that moment and just like a a fast forward i'm in a an absolutely astoundingly profound relationship closed relationship closed (laughs) y'all
1: not what i wanted
2: (laughs) turns out um I just wanted deep, deep intimacy with the right person. And I didn't really think that that was ever going to happen for me. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's happened. I had another child. I have a baby kitten. Uh, we ended up buying a house in San Diego, something I never thought mm-hmm. I'd be able to do again after leaving my marriage. So much has happened um, mm-hmm. and it hasn't been easy. It There is no happily ever after, nope. even in my dreamy partnership. <laughs> it's <laughs> It's only like, joyfully ever now you know like it's like gratefully ever now (laughs) Um, that is it and I think the only reason why both of us my husband and I are able to really show up in full is because we both had practice marriages we both royally Mm. screwed up so many times we have that contrast of the the just yuck from our past like decades Mm. and so now we're just like yeah we created something amazing and every day Mm. we're going to treat it like it's our last and that's like the the secret to success
0: that is amazing. I love the practice marriages so much because it, there's so much shame around divorce. And I feel like that is something that everyone listening, I work with mostly, like most of my clients are women who've gone down the fairytale rabbit hole and then didn't work out. And also they share that they had a gut feeling on their wedding day, but they still went ahead anyways, because a different part yeah. was leading. You had it too.
2: Totally. Almost Six weeks woman. before.
1: I was crying on the bathroom floor. Yes.
2: Oh my god. Stop telling me you love me 40 times when you're drunk. I don't want to hear it. You know, Uh like, do I ever not want to hear my husband now tell me he loves me? No, I love hearing it. Yeah. Like, sure sign. Something's a little bit off.
0: Yeah, someone else was driving the car. <laughs> <Yeah>. Yes, not <laughs> my making soul. Making decisions, not your soul. Oh. Yeah, uh, so what a beautiful story. I actually want to know more about your um, your current partnership. Like, how did that? How did you meet? Can you tell us a little bit more of yeah. that story? I feel inspired. Yeah.
2: So it. we we had opened the practice marriage, right? Like, much to my practice husband's chagrin, it was not his idea, and he kind of went along with it to be like, well, like you know, I know I re- can't really say no because. That's that's going to be a conversation, um, but he wasn't really in alignment with it. And you know, I don't I don't think that I was too in my heart of hearts. But I knew something needed to change, and I was yes. willing to take really big risks um, and be honest with myself and others along the way. And so um, we did that. And I had some you know kind of okay experiences that were definitely mind opening and life altering. Because at the time, I was like, oh, this doesn't impact my partnership at all. Like this is really fascinating. And then I go online to a dating site as a joke because my friend in New York was like, This is awful. These people are so ridiculous. How is it in San Diego? Is it like just as bad? Because you got to join it and just to see. And I was like,
0: So good at the accent. Oh my gosh, the
2: communication empath. (laughs) I do love me some accents. Um, And so I joined this dating site, which is like gone. Everyone's like, What site was it? I'm like, It wasn't the site, everyone. It was something Uh else.
1: Um isn't that the, that's the
3: stuff Yeah step. right Can I just um, exactly
2: what you did and then yeah, I want that? just the, like the <laughs> ABC steps right like yeah. well ask hard questions be honest with yourself and be willing to destroy everything in the name of love I mean that's, yes. Woo!
1: that's Yeah oh Yes love it God <laughs> <laughs> love is willing to destroy everything in the name of love yeah <laughs> and
0: love exists within us like it's being willing to destroy it's that which here. isn't aligned so that we right. can feel ourselves more holy and deeply and fully exactly it's like yeah. destroying the not love
2: which is actually yeah. not anything like yeah. everything is love just some of it's yeah. real misinformed yes um, yes but like so we meet on this dating site because I had signed up as a joke, but even as a joke, I was like, well, I'm going to set up my profile for real and I'm going to put a yeah. hot ass picture of myself <laughs> why not. and um, I'll, I'll, I'll be real. Like I'll say I'm in an open marriage. I'll say I have a child. I'll say like all the things and just be super inconvenient and messy. Cause what, What's oh, the you weren't afraid happen? about
1: scaring someone away, and, and no, I wasn't. An, afraid. I wasn't trying to meet anyone. Trying to prove was, yourself think, and contort yourself, right? And oh, yourself off. Oh, you were yeah, just honest? Like, me, that
0: worked.
3: Let me just what? like squeeze myself <laughs> in this box. And then, like, no. Oh my god. So,
2: mm-hmm. so that I think was like part of the magic, right? Is I had no, That's idea. 100% I had no expectation. That's hundred percent the magic. <laughs>
3: that
1: is uh, the magic. No, yes.
2: That is. That was it. And and I I uh, I had it like crafted for me in this situation. So I think it's it's difficult to craft it when you have to intentionally cultivate that state of being, right? Like it was just like handed to me on the platter. Like, here's your magic pill, swallow it. Um (laughs) and so I get this message from all kinds of people, of course. But then I get this one from this guy and I see this photo and it's just very real. He had a like goatee or beard at the time. He was in the snow, there was snow in his face, and he was just smiling into the camera like he was looking Mm -hmm. at someone who he really cared about. And turns out he was getting his photo taken by his niece. So, yes, Um, I saw this picture and you all, it was like a sheet of lightning went through my body. I have never had an experience like that where just Mm. looking at someone, um, I could feel like I could feel something again. And I think my feelings, I had shut them down for so long that in the process of excavating like the not me from my life and asking these hard questions and just pushing myself, uh, or even like pulling myself out. Yeah. I, I started to open up all those feelings again. And so all of a sudden it was like, boom. And I remember going, I have to like know what this guy's saying to me. Cause it said I had a private message for him, from him. And I had to pay $35 to read <laughs> said message because my account was free. Cause of course I was not doing this seriously. So I'm like, well, shit, I think I got to pay 35 bucks. So I paid the $35. Worth it. Worth it. I get this one sentence, one sentence message from him. But that sentence was open marriage, huh? How's that going? I just laughing. Like I just, I felt him and I felt, yes. I felt like you know, he read the whole thing, obviously, and it didn't scare him away. And something was happening chemically, and just spiritually, and emotionally, and energetically when I connected with him. So I wrote him back, and we started emailing. And within like the span of um, two days, it went from "Let's get to know you" to like "I have to, I have to know you. I have to know who you are. I have to know you. I have to meet you." I remember. Him saying like, well, I want our first encounter to be in the wild, (laughs) like those words. (laughs) And I was like, I think we're just meeting for dinner, right? Like, should we just (laughs) hang out outside for a second?
3: Like, what what
2: do you mean? And it just, it was just funny like that and very real from the beginning. Um, I was still married. So we go on our first date and um, like like fell into a wormhole basically and made out like it was the Titanic going down. (laughs) And um, (laughs) like, it was literally like that, but in a Nissan Murano, it was ridiculous. And yeah. th- then I get this text message from my husband who's like, Are you alive? Has he killed you? Like, are you you're supposed to be home by now? And I was like, Oh mm-hmm. shit, it's like four in the morning. So oh. I text him back. I'm like, Yes, yes, I'm fine. I'm, I'm on my way, you know. And like, my face was numb. My heart was like exploding. <laughs> exploding. So I get, oh, I my get in my God. car. I, I drive back home to my not life, you know, and like, mm. this Ugh. feeling of. It was almost like my heart was strings of taffy right and it was just like pulling farther and farther away and i didn't want the taffy to break you know like that was such another one of those moments of i can't be driving away from this like this is what i'm supposed to be driving toward this is actually what i'm supposed to not leave Mm-hmm. And that 's inconvenient information when you are your intention is to have an open marriage with the one primary partner you 've always had mm-hmm. um because my intention had never been i 'm going to leave this marriage i 'm going to meet someone i 'm yes. going to fall in love i, I didn 't actually want that to happen, and it totally mm-hmm. like came out of nowhere mm-hmm. um, and so I get home and my husband is like, "Well, I guess that was a good first date <laughs> you know <laughs> and I was like. It was. We'll talk about it. Mm -hmm. We'll talk about it tomorrow. Today, Mm -hmm. actually, but later today. I have to get some sleep. (laughs) So I go to sleep and that was the last time I slept in that bedroom. It was the last time I slept next to that person. Um, I never kissed him again. I I never was intimate with him again. I couldn't. It was like my heart just went, no, like this is no longer acceptable um and there's nothing wrong with him there's nothing like bad about him but it's really hard to justify leaving a relationship that's just fine until you see that just fine is like the lowest of the lows that you could accept Mm -hmm. from what's good you know Mm -hmm. and so um I started to date this guy and my husband started to get really like, well, what's going to happen? What's going on? Um, we weren't being intimate anymore. He could see very clearly things had changed. I didn't really have an answer for him and that was frustrating, but it, it just, it basically was like a three week process of, Oh crap. All right. Um, let's just see. He's moving to Peru by the way, indefinitely at the end of this month. So like, you know, nothing's really going to go anywhere with this. (sighs) oh, the things we tell ourselves. So, <laughs> so he did. He, he left for Peru, but wow. before he did, we said we loved each other. Mm. I told my husband I was in love with this man and that we would have to separate. And I didn't know if we were even going to have a relationship, but that I couldn't go back um, from that place. And it was the right thing for us all, you know, regardless of what was going to happen and that we would just have to figure it out. You know, we had a child together and a mortgage and we had had a dog and all the things that I had in my head as the reasons that I could never leave Mm -hmm. became Mm -hmm. irrelevant. Um, Wow. Became details I trusted would work out. And it was because I was starting to trust myself.
1: Right.
0: I love every word that comes out of your mouth. I'm like in love with you. It is your every the way you describe everything. I mean again <laughs> communication empath. It's like you are j- everything that spills out of your mouth is like your it's like a book. It's so... Oh, my God. I feel like I'm watching a movie. That's, this is the best movie ever. <laughs>
1: ever. Um,
0: <laughs> and what... This, this could not be a more perfect story for everything that Catherine and I stand for. And yeah. for really guiding women back home to the truth of their souls and getting them away from who they think they're supposed to be and how many billions of women on the planet right now are living fake lives and lying to themselves. And I just think like how much permission you just gave every woman who's in that situation right now. We had an episode called, should I stay or should I go um, Mm -hmm. a few weeks ago? And this feels like, I mean, even that story alone, just so beautiful. Thank you for sharing. Uh, yeah, I'm just right there with you. I have one of my close, uh, one of my closest friends, just is going through something quite similar, um, in the sense that they tried to open up their relationship after ten years, yeah. and um, when that happened, as soon as she had a connection, which happened immediately with someone, it was just like, oh, it made it so clear that, like great they had a great relationship and her partner like they still love each other Mm. so much and they'll be friends forever but it was just so clear that her soul was like oh that's what I'm supposed to experience and she's not with the other guy anymore he was just the catalyst Um, but, but I, I think with opening up a relationship, it's such a beautiful next step. Like often people think yeah. you're in a relationship and then you break up and that there's no, nothing in between. And yet there's so many things you can try to see. And for some couples, that's the thing that saves their marriage. And totally. I know another woman in California who she and her husband opened up and it saved their marriage and they totally deepen their intimacy and deepen their relationship with each other. Yeah. And yeah, just everything about, that I love that you went from picket fence to unconventional. <laughs> I went and, from picket and fence and to picket. My last, yeah, yeah. Is that? <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, oh my god. <laughs> so, for everything you say, is like a meme or <laughs> a quote, <Yeah. laughs> like, um, but also just thinking about how you know I really want to, um, like really uh, iterate everything you said about the, um, I can't even remember the beautiful language you used about the. The right now relationship, because I imagine joyfully so ever mo- now, joyfully ever now, because so many women hear a story like that and it almost perpetuates the fairy tale, like oh yeah, I exactly. want that. But instead of it being like you met it like the soul love, where it's just coming from your, you being. 100% who you are you being real you trusting life trusting you know not not being attached like the old paradigm of like got to keep this forever but more just Ugh. let's let's bask in this right now and that this really is a new paradigm relationship it's yeah. not the fairy tale even though the story sounds really you know it evokes yeah, similar catchy, feelings right? of like oh i want that but it's like it, mm. it to me it just soul love and saboteur love in my language, ego love is so different, special love versus soul love. And yeah, just so beautiful. Thank you. Wow.
2: You're welcome. Well, and I think something really important to recognize about it is, you know, we have this idea that once you, you experience a love like that, that it's, you're not going to have challenges or you're not going to, you're not going to get in the way of it, but it's so confronting to every everything Mm -hmm. you've been told about Mm -hmm. how love feels about yourself about um like the possibilities of life Mm -hmm. it's almost too much to handle and so (laughs) when we were early on in the relationship and the relationship never really had like labels for a very very long time Mm -hmm. even though we were exclusive with each other we just kind of like maintained that presence Mm -hmm. and we got to a point where we had to have some sort of label somewhere along the line. Mm -hmm. And we actually just decided that we were married. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like we just went from zero to 900. Um, And, and so we decided we're married and we, we were like, well, that's what a marriage really is. Right. It's like, it's a declaration. It's a choice. It's personal to you. And so we were like, well, fine. So we're married. So let's update our Facebook status. Oh boy. Did everybody get pissed off about that? Mm. and you know like we didn't invite us to the wedding we're, like we were laying on our living room floor by ourselves <laughs> the decision. you were not invited amazing um, <laughs> oh my god and, so cool and um and the week we decided we were married was the hardest week of our relationship because all of a sudden we had like drawn the line in the sand and we had yeah. said like this is what we yeah. want and so all the fear came to the surface, all the shadow material came to the surface. We actually had like a huge breakdown and I didn't realize at the time, but I had an emotional flashback that was so powerful. It's a, it's a trauma term. I had an emotional flashback that was so powerful that I literally couldn't hear the words coming out of his mouth. They were like getting twisted through a machine and mm. f- spitting at me things that were toxic. Yeah. And it, he wasn't actually saying those things or or having any of the intentions that I was reading into it because I was all of a sudden somewhere else, someone else, like mm. the traumatized version of me. So I got triggered. My trigger triggered him. We temporarily broke up. Um, And I I actually said, like, I can't do this, because it felt like in that moment, even though the information I was going off of was not accurate, the choice was between you say yes to this relationship you've just committed to, or you say yes to your heart. Mm. and. To me, the choice at that point in my life was so clear that I couldn't say yes to the relationship if it was not also yes to my heart. Even as much as I loved him and I loved our story and I loved where we were and what we were creating, um, I had to choose my own heart. And that moment was like a deep initiation um, Mm. because I did. I said, I have to choose my heart. And it felt like my whole body was like a pile of dry leaves that got crunched up and blown away in the wind. Like that was Mm -hmm. a physical sensation that I had. And I just, it was like, I died. Um, The relationship Mm -hmm. died. My future died. Like everything died in that moment, including the trauma. Because Mm -hmm. what happened after that is he stopped tossing his clothes out of the dresser (laughs) that he was like, fine, I'm out of here. And he was like, no, that's not what this is about. This is about staying. Like, this is mm-hmm. about showing up. This is about getting fuck out of bed and saying yes. Like, that's what this is about. And um, I'm going to, like, cry. Mm-hmm. So we both said yes again um, and again and again and again. Mm-hmm. And eventually when we got legally married, which was later that year, 2013, right, the big year, <laughs> um, I said in my wedding vows to him, that this is our wedding night this is our honeymoon and this is our funeral because if i don't ever if i forget the fact that there is always an end to this i will never be here for the moment i will always take it for granted i will always let myself slip into old patterns i will um i will not be here and if i'm not here what is this relationship based on? I mean, there's three people in every relationship, at least the two primary partners and the relationship itself. Mm -hmm. One of those things is missing. You got nothing. You got a stool with two legs. That's wobbly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh my God. Wow,
1: <laughs> you're just the best. <laughs> look, yeah. You're just the, the best. best, and this and and look, we I we are, take very seriously who we have on the podcast, <laughs> and I knew that your story needed to be shared. And I think I mean I've been ridiculously inspired by you mm-hmm. all along, and what I've appreciated so much over and over again and so much of everything Kate and I keep saying is like a woman must belong to herself first and hearing over and over, you just keep coming back to the things you've actually had to face and starting with the radical honesty with self. And I, I mean there is nothing more potent than the initiation into belonging to yourself, like into the marrying yourself and devoting yourself to your own heart and allowing yeah. things to change. Yeah. I it's, it's am not so who I was when I married Andrew. I'm not who <laughs> I was when I met Andrew and what was true and at the moment of meeting him and the moment of marrying him and the moment of today is I'm committed to knowing who I am yeah. and committed to knowing who he is and I I care about more and more inspiring love stories that are real. Because that's what's inspiring anyway. We, we don't really want to admit that we're not all that inspired, but like, and then we fell in love and we lived happily ever after. Like, we're actually yeah. not inspired by that. No. <laughs> but we crave it because we think, promise me that there'll be a life where I experience no pain mm. and experience yeah. no disappointment and no frustration. And how Sorry, potent <laughs> that, of course, here you are, committing a a business and a mission on shifting from self repression Mm -hmm. to soul expression. And most of all, a spiritual resiliency training program. Mm -hmm. Like, and I found my (laughs) trauma resolution work much later in my journey. And now without talking about the nervous system, I don't know what else there is to talk about. Um, There is nothing else. (laughs) And we don't, we didn't have the language and the tools and the things no. that we have access to today 10 years ago, right? And, and that's why it's so, such an exciting time for mm-hmm. someone to be on a personal growth path. Because I think oh most, for those of us that started like a decade ago, it's a lot messier of a, of a journey. Like now Ooh. there are very clear, like there are clear steps like and there are unbelievably supportive communities and and now the world's waking up at an infinitely faster rate than it Mm -hmm. ever has been before and i love that resiliency right emotional mental physical and spiritual resiliency training program and so i'd love to from this just continue the magic on what then where did the empath work begin what was that moment what is what was Ooh. the turning point?
2: Well, there's been there's been this continual theme in my life. And I feel like if there's a patron saint to, that I like put on an altar of my business and of the, just the way I operate, it's like, it's Madonna or Lady Gaga or any of those public figures yeah. that are just willing to reinvent and iterate and be like, yeah, I know that's who you thought I was. Guess what? Here's who I am now. Take it or leave it. You know, mm-hmm. like I'm not interested in your opinion. I'm interested in authenticity. Mm. And that, as a recovering people pleaser, is so healing for me to to look to and, and, and emulate and learn from and be inspired by. And so I've endeavored to continue to unpack my desire to make everybody else happy, to make everybody else comfortable, to, I'm good at that, right? Empaths are good at that sensing what everybody else needs to the exclusion of themselves and that was the recipe i followed for those first 30 years of my life and i saw where that got me and as i started to continue to evolve my business it it moved away from graphic design over time and branding and went more into mentorship and coaching and you know because of the story right like there's so many things that i did that i didn't necessarily have a framework around or an understanding of what was going on i just intuitively was like climbing through mud And figuring it out as I went, but not everybody has the resilience to do that. And not everybody understands what the process looks like. And so I started to go back and like reverse engineer. Mm. What is it that I was doing? Because as I was telling my story, as I was guiding people through their own processes and seeing so many similar pieces and parts, I realized, um, and this is like after being in business for eight years, that who I was working with continually on a just regular basis were people who were highly sensitive, people Mm. who were self-sacrificing, people Mm. who could not separate their own experience from others, people who understood that to be a good person or even more specifically a good girl,
3: girl. you have to give yourself
2: away Mm. because I knew that place really, really intimately. And so I would guide them and I would use really simple frameworks to just like ask different questions. I mean, I think it was Tony Robbins who quoted somebody else by saying that the power of your life yes. um, is, is, is determined by the quality of questions that you ask or the quality of your life. And so I just started to help people ask better questions and then give them tools to answer those questions for themselves, right? I'm not going to give you my recipe for your right life because we've already done that. Like That doesn't work. Um, And so as I got more and more specific and reinvented myself continually, got more honest about white privilege, about cultural appropriation around the systemic racism, all of these things um, and all the ways that I was perpetuating that and the way my business was operating before, this has been something I've been exploring for many years now. And it really led me to this place of what can I say? How can I frame the magic and the potency and the alchemy of what I do in a way that can reach more of my right people Mm -hmm. you know in language it's not going to be alienating language that we can relate to um and where are the common denominators and it started to just percolate up like these people are empaths i'm an empath i didn't even realize that until my mom called me a narcissist for having boundaries and i was like whoa wait a minute. No, that's not what's going on. But like, what is going on? Hmm. Oh, and then I got all this clarity around the empath narcissist dynamic and just like all these things um, just started to like click into place. And so the the body of work that I teach now under the framework of empathology is just super duper potent, super relatable, very based in neuroscience and brain based behavior training and um, things that people can like anchor into. Yeah. Because while I can weave a whole hell of a lot of magic with my words, ultimately somebody's got to be able to take it home and make yeah. it their own. Mm-hmm. And the only way they can really do that for the, the mainstream is to talk about the brain, to talk about the nervous mm-hmm. system, to, to bring neuroscience into it, to bring biology into it. And then we can start to open up into other realms, right? Like mm-hmm. we can open the door. And explore deeper from there. And that's really where my, my work goes and it it goes all the places it used to. It's just using more powerful language. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not interested really in being relatable, but I am interested in connecting with the right people. The right people. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. So how I know you're in your empath to power podcast so we haven't talked about your podcast Mm -hmm. you introduce like signs that you're an empath Mm -hmm. but i'd love because because truly um i'll never forget my first the first time i went to andrew's place on his bookshelf like right next to his bed is highly sensitive person, right? Like, are you a highly sensitive person? Um, And so it was so cool. And I, I, you know, work with women who often identify as codependent. So there's a lot of overlap and often they're not actually codependent. They're an empath um, and still need to learn the skills of relationship. But I'd love, you know, for women who maybe we said this podcast is for the women who've been told they're too sensitive or too much in their world. Shall we dive into just your, your definition? Like how, is or any signs, right, for the women listening, what, how do you know you're an empath? Because I think it's yeah. really freaking powerful to hear 20% of the population, like that is not a lot.
2: <laughs> that,
3: not that's a lot. not a lot. actually
2: not a lot. No, 20% of people have highly sensitive highly nervous sensitive. systems, which is, um, a biological difference in the way that our sensory processing happens in the hippocampus mm. and in the way that we interpret emotional information. So um, there's language used around it. That's like, things are more vibrant. Things are more intense and So the highly sensitive person has a physiological relationship with the world and with people that is uh, wired differently, literally wired differently for perception. And then you layer onto that an empath. Um, Empaths are folks who have a hard time separating themselves energetically and emotionally from other people. And what that tends to look like is not super clear because when I say that, you might not understand that that's what's actually happening happening inside of your nervous system. Mm -hmm. But what it looks like is people-pleasing, knowing intuitively what other people want and need and catering to that and abandoning yourself in the process, which becomes codependency. Um, Most empaths struggle with perfectionism because they can perceive how it needs to be for other people to have the response they want to get. And until it meets that point, they will not put it out in the world. They will not put their name on it. So there's Mm -hmm. also chronic procrastination. and you know, the the three P's really of being an empath are people pleasing, procrastination, and perfectionism. And there's a whole range of other side effects. And and actually these things are so common. I came up with the term empath stress disorder because there are impacts that this has on you just like PTSD does or just like any other um, disorder that we experience. And it's not a medical diagnosis, but it's a framework for saying, hey, if you're having anxiety, if you have especially social anxiety, if you're depressed and you can't quite figure out Why that is. Um, If you have people pleasing and you know that you do this, if you are a perfectionist, if you procrastinate, if you know what you need to do in your life in order to create the life you want and you still don't do it, it. there are nervous system mechanisms in place that are protecting you from the very success that you say you want. It's not Mm -hmm. your fault. Mm -hmm. And so the thing that we can learn how to do, and this is why resiliency is so important to me. is that we want to teach our nervous systems that it is actually safe to grow, to succeed, to be seen. Most of the people that I work with come in thinking, I'm afraid of failing. And the truth is that they're afraid of succeeding. Mm-hmm. And that is so um, powerful to look at because if you recognize that your body and your brain are hell-bent on keeping you small and safe, of course that marketing strategy isn't going to work for you. Of course that business training isn't going to land. Of course that relationship is going to go south, right? Like Mm -hmm. because you're afraid to actually have what you want and you don't know that's what's going on. So you're going to think there's something wrong with me, blah, 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 go into the spirals of self-blame, keep trying to follow other people's recipes, 20% of the population can't follow the 80% rules, right? It's not going to work. And, you know, for me, like my, my real secret mission with this work is that I know that there are systemic issues with society, that there are problems in education, problems in family structures, even problems in the therapeutic and coaching models. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: And the reason why is that the leadership that's in place right now, primarily is of the 80%. It's not of the highly sensitive population, the population that is empathic, that is super duper compassionate, that can naturally put themselves last, right? Which is not the best idea, by the way, Um, Mm -hmm. right? But those are the kind of people we really need to have in positions of power. But when we don't feel safe with power, we won't ever allow that to happen and so these same problems these same paradigms are going to keep persisting i believe until the highly sensitive population doesn't learn to toughen up but learns Mm. to show up Mm. and trust their gifts use their sensitivities as they're meant to and and if there's like ninja skills you can learn like cool shit you can do with even just your sense of hearing and sight that can like totally change your experience of how you do your day-to-day tasks You're not distracted because you have ADD most of the time. You're distracted because you're in a trauma response. Your nervous system is activated and you're not designed to focus when you're stressed. Mm. So there's so many things we can do to just dial all that stuff back, step into our power without becoming somebody we're not. That's not the solution.
0: What would you say is the best way to protect, or do 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 you believe mm. in protecting your energy, or, or like clearing energy, or? I love this question. Stance on that. <laughs> so um, I actually made a video
2: last year that got lots and lots of interesting feedback um, about about the fact that empaths actually need to stop. Protecting themselves. Oh,
0: and I, you know, fear. I had an intuition. That's so wild. Yeah. I asked the question and then I said, if, if that's like, your stance. And that's yeah, exactly, only, I've never heard anyone say this, but for some reason I intuited you have something else to share. <laughs> yeah. <That's>
2: so cool. <laughs> so, as a highly sensitive person, you are wired to connect, you're wired for connection, you are made to bridge between yourself and others. So how do you think subconsciously it is going to work to try to keep other people out? Mm. It's never going to work. Gonna go well. it's
1: not
2: going
3: to work. <laughs> so it. You're it like, doesn't work. but I cast my white bubble and I'm still <laughs> feeling all this
2: crap. What's wrong with me? Like my energy work just isn't pure enough. I just have to ground better, you know, I have to get my like tourmaline out or whatever. Um, and I love that stuff, y'all. It's like... No problem. But, mm. but it's not going to be the thing that helps you. Yeah. So uh, I just had this conversation in my Facebook group this morning, actually, too. And <laughs> what I believe is that because we're designed to connect and not to protect, protection isn't going to work for us. What is going to work instead of keeping other people out is to let ourselves out, right? Like your best protection is being yourself fully.
1: Mm. Okay. Hold on. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We have to say that Mm -hmm. one more freaking time. Say it again.
2: (laughs) Being your best protection is being yourself fully. Mm. Radiating out. Mm -hmm. Right. Because how else are people going to know who you are and make their decisions about whether or not to engage with you? And that is none of your business. Mm. None of their business, none of your business, how they feel actually, right? Like there's all these memes on Instagram. I, get, I love, I, lo- I follow all these empath accounts and then I love like sharing their posts to my stories and being like, actually y'all, no, like here's yeah. another way to look at this yes. um, because I don't have the normal empathy, uh, woe is me, everything is so hard conversations because you p- we're made to lead. We are uncomfortable all the freaking time. That is what leadership asks us to do. We're just uncomfortable yeah. because we're denying ourselves instead of expressing ourselves. Yes. Whatever. Oh That's okay. this path to so
0: power. This
3: is oh so my good. God. This
0: is so aligned. Fuck. Yes, thank you.
1: Wow. Right. Thank you. Welcome <laughs> to the new truth, everybody. Yeah. <sighs> I did an Ah. energy work um, training. It was probably the beginning of last year, actually, and I asked – I raised my hand, it was a very small training, it was only 11 of us, and um, the leader said, you know, does anyone have any questions? And I said, I'm having a like really hard time managing my energy in this space, like I was shrinking totally, like we're learning energy work, but we're practicing on ourselves and each other all day long. And she, this very powerful person, she looked at me and she goes, what do you think you have to protect yourself from? Mm-hmm. And I ended up, hyster- like I ended up on the floor hysterically crying because I didn't know that that's subconsciously what was happening, but right. yes, that's what I was asking myself over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And when I think of even just this past year of transformation that I've done because yeah, that training was last March, I, I can feel how I'm in the most pain in my life when I'm not sharing. Right, like or when I'm in acting like it's someone else's job to make space for me rather than claiming it. And there is be for disappointment. a ridiculous amount of disempowering messages for empaths. And really Everyone. that the woe is me, but also even this like it's uh um what's the word like a scarlet letter kind of thing to wear oh, yeah, like either oh you're always gonna struggle with this mm-hmm. right like oh
2: you know it's just so hard to be an empath or well you know us empaths are like superior beings yes. because mm-hmm. we feel so much yeah like no you're not like mm-hmm. no sorry like there's no pedestals here no there's mm-hmm. no trenches either unless we're all in them together you know but like this doesn't make you a superior being. It's it's how you're wired. It is a skill, then you that you can learn how to master. Yes. It can become an advantage that you don't apologize for any longer. That you channel for the greater good instead of harming yourself in the process and calling that charity. Like mm-hmm. no, you yeah. know no. Um, what I what I love is there was this one image that was like a little dog. It was like uh, overwhelmed, like one of those Chihuahua like pictures where the Chihuahua is like freaked out. And it was like, impasse when they go into the room and somebody is freaking out and they can't figure out who it is. And I was like, or,
3: <laughs> yes.
2: or we could just say, it's none of my business and who am I being right now? You know, like it's none of your business. Are you getting paid to support that person? Have they asked you for your help? One mm-hmm. of the reasons why us highly sensitive folks and so many women are sensitive in this way What if instead of going, whose is that, what are they feeling, what do they need, let's just turn that question around for a second and say, well, what do I need? Like, what do I need? What do I need right now? That is such Mm -hmm. a bold question because first of all, it admits, it acknowledges the fact that we have needs to begin with, which is Mm -hmm. super shame inducing. Yeah. And, and hard for many women. <laughs> hard for many women to even admit that we need something. We don't want to be codependent, and then it makes us codependent because we can't right. Right. express our needs, so we just expect everybody else to intuit them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's not it's not fair to anybody. And it's a waste of time. Like we are so exhausted, most of us, because we are sending out conscious and unconscious feelers everywhere but back toward our own heart. Mm -hmm. And I know we're all afraid of being full of ourselves, but my question to you is, if you're afraid of being full of yourself, who else is in there?
0: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Len- are, have you read, are you, do you like Lennon Doyle? Have you read? I her- love her new book. Yeah. So yes, untamed. So she she says the world needs more women who are yeah. full of themselves. Yes. <laughs> so yes. It's like who else is in there? Like, hello. Yes. We all have yeah. influencers
2: in our minds and you know, that just because they have a louder voice doesn't mean it's the right voice to follow.
3: Mm hmm.
0: Wow. This is so aligned with my work. Like everything, you, it's so wild. It's even That's the awesome. repression to soul expression. I, I, I talk a lot about how I, my, I personally believe that depression is repression of who we really are. And most yeah. people, there's such a huge epidemic of depression right now and anxiety. And it's because we're constantly going against our soul wants to go that way or our, I call yeah. it your saboteur voice in your head, but like is constantly leading us in the opposite direction. And then it creates that anxiety and depression and yeah. I, wow just so you are magical <laughs> amazing. This is the, my Thank favorite you. conversation. Yeah. I love hearing that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, um, Stephen,
2: Stephen Harrod biener is one of my favorite mentors. He's a, a well-known herbalist and kind of a radical anti-reductionist thinker. And he says depression is a messenger of the soul. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. nobody likes hearing that because mm-hmm. it's not mm-hmm. something you can take a pill for. You yeah. know, it's not something mm-hmm. that's a problem to be solved. Mm-hmm. It's a conversation to be had. And when you mm-hmm. don't even know How to open up that dialogue, um, you would just rather take a pill, you know, and make it go away.
0: Yes. Yes. It's just this. And all the- oh, go ahead, Kate. I was just going to say, and, and just numb who we really are. Like when you just yeah. take a pill for something, I've even, I said on the, I shared on our Facebook Live yesterday, I've been practicing not taking Advil when I have my, my cycle, when I have mm. cramps, because um, I'm, I'm so used to just like, oh, I feel pain, take a pill. I, but I don't do it in any other context, only with uh. cramps and only with physical um, body pain yeah. and just practicing like breathing and actually just welcoming the pain and being with it and how like j- our society just wants to take that magic pill and, and you know, make the pain go away versus building a relationship with it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, pain is a teacher. It's an mm-hmm. indication, yes. uh, an invitation. It's there's something the body wants you to know when you're yeah. feeling
0: pain. Yeah. Yes. Oh my God. I feel like every woman's going to relate to this. Even just the people pleaser part and like the, like, I I mean, the old paradigm of love teaches us to, tend
1: to other people's needs. Tend to other people's <laughs> needs
0: like yeah. oh I just want to be a wife and then I want to be a mother and then I'm just going to like have all these labels that are all about everyone else and I'm full of everyone else instead of full yeah. of myself and how hard it is for women to even invest in themselves to put themselves yeah. first to like put attention on themselves. Oh, it's heartbreaking. It is. It's heartbreaking because we need more women
2: to rise up. We need yes. more sensitive souls of all yes. gender identities to rise up. We need yes. We need this um, as a culture. And, and I like to say that we're the psychedelic plants of the human realm. Woo!
3: <laughs> because <laughs> yes. we are a lot
2: to take. Um, but we have a different perspective and psychedelics exist to expand us in times of, of ecological disruption. I mean, that's Mm. like the ecology of those, those Mm. beings, the fungi come in when the ecology is in peril and Mm. all of the beings in that ecosystem benefit from the expanded perspective of what's possible. And this is what us sensitive souls are designed to do. But if we're so busy um, paying attention to everyone, but ourselves and our gifts we will be so distracted we'll distract ourselves to death mm.
1: that's what's happening yeah I'm, i feel like we you need to make a, a little quotable immediately on if you're not full of yourself then who else is in there i'm, <laughs> yes. I'm like whoa like sitting with that so everything's much. quotable <laughs> Oh my god! This episode, um, fuck. <laughs> I just keep saying. I just keep oh saying. Fuck, I probably should stop.
2: um <laughs> it's all good. But I, I, my just... old title was "Paradigm Fucker." You know, like oh,
1: cool. came yeah. out.
2: <laughs> and, and that, like
1: that,
2: that was the title that my husband now, like my my, it's still practicing right. But like yeah. my my permanent husband, at least as far as I can tell. Mm-hmm. Um, my title and my email to him when I introduced myself as Paradigm Fucker, and he's like, <laughs> paradigm booker. "I'm Booker." Like, oh boy! Of course, I like, I here think, you are. I think that's what I do too, mm. actually. And I used to say, like, we're gonna fuck these paradigms by loving them into oblivion. Yes, mm.
1: yes. That there's the new truth. That's it. Yeah. And and I I was gonna say that we value linear and production you know, that's the masculine, you know, world versus process. And I can feel if I was at the start of my journey, I'm going to have to like, really make sure I lay down after listening to this episode, if, if, somebody's, if somebody's just starting, but it has it taken a lot for me and my own trauma healing. And even, I mean, I never had a relationship longer than a year. Before yeah. Andrew and we're about to celebrate six years together on June 11th, Woo-woo-woo. And I feel like and, and I asked for this in my life like God's given me a PhD in relationship because I couldn't the past six years have been everything but the fairy tale <laughs> um, and everything, everything but yeah. happily ever after and the work of like dismantling all the old paradigms and conditioning is the work of a lifetime. And what I feel like I've appreciated about your story and really this whole episode, it's over and over again of that commitment to asking the questions, commitment to leaning into pain, commitment to feeling, you know, whatever is actually arising inside of me. You know, we talked about depression. I know now, and I'm anxious. I'm not taking care of myself. Like my anxiety is my soul's red flare of "Hey, babes, come back, <laughs> come back to me." And yeah. really, how can everyone? Every woman that I work with who has anxiety, the question always, "How do I make it stop?" Right? How do I make it go away? How do I fix it? That's our culture. Let it, and the old paradigm of love is Listen what's the? To it. What are the mm-hmm. three steps to finding my partner? what do you mean? It's not just three freaking steps. What do you mean? It's a commitment to living the truth of who I am. And then saying, let's see what life has to bring when I'm that, when I am that over and over. And so I wanted to throw in the anxiety piece because it's been, I mean, I'm someone who has anxiety and I can watch the, like, some, there are some days where, my God, I do wish I could just take a pill.
2: <laughs> I wanted to take a melon baller to my brain at one yeah. point. Like, I was like, if I could just, like, have a very specific little melon baller tool yeah. where I could just yes. take out the part of my brain that is doing this to me right now, yeah. you know? Like, right. literally, it's so debilitating and so miserable, and we, we know yes. we're doing it to ourselves, and yes. that's the frustrating piece. It's like the shame spiral of feeling shame, like the right. judgment about feeling judgment. Right. There's all these right. spirals we get into. And um, yeah, I mean, I just had a panic attack recently, right? Like, it's not like this stuff goes away, but if you know what the language is that your body is speaking, the conversation is more efficient, you know, like I don't have to have five panic attacks in order to get the message. I could just go into the beginning of one and go, oh, I'm afraid of something. Yeah. What am I really afraid of? And Mm -hmm. what is the pretend fear that I'm listening Mm -hmm. to instead? You know, to avoid yes. the bigger growth-oriented fear. Yeah, And always that's what it is. It's like, oh, it's, it's here I am like thinking I'm dying.
0: So what am I afraid of doing with my life?
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Or where am I lying to myself? I love that you said yeah. that in the beginning, like how how that, that quote about parenting, but really that's like, most of us are lying to ourselves every day, all day, like, you know, Mm -hmm. Oh, staying in jobs, we hate eating, you know, whatever, eating foods that don't feel good. Like just telling ourselves little lies all day, staying in relationships that aren't, aren't aligned. And Yeah. um, yeah, I mean, that to me feels like the biggest Key is is the honesty piece, and I love how I can't remember exactly how you phrased it, but it was beautiful <laughs> about something about the heart. Um, but I often bring I love the word courage, it's what uh, courage might be my favorite word. And I think it's because well, I broke it down this year um, because in French, coeur means heart. Sacre Coeur is my favorite church in Paris, the cathedral in I Paris. Love so, <laughs> oh. It's so beautiful. Your accents. Oh, my God. (laughs) I love (laughs) Sacaraca. All of a sudden, she's French. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Um, But I love the word courage because it's like having the courage to follow your heart Mm -hmm. and how... It takes a fuckload of courage to follow our hearts because we're we're brainwashed every minute of every day that our life is supposed to look a certain way, as and we're supposed to look a certain way, versus. Caring what we feel, you know, and and yeah, I just I love it, mm. love it all so much. I just got this
2: image while you were talking, Kate, of like we're brainwashed, but what would it look like to get heartwashed? And mm. then I was thinking, like mm. the song at the car wash, and I was like, at the heart wash, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yes. <laughs> yes. It's just like, I can
2: see us all in like roller skates being like, this is living from yes. heart, baby. <laughs>
1: yes. We're a, there's there's you right a now. roomy, I mean, I, I studied in the mystery school I'm part of. I studied Sufism for a year mm. and it was really unbelievable. Um, yeah. The mystical practice and essentially that, the whole principle of sufism is polishing your heart like that's the work like god as the beloved not up in the sky not someone you know that i'm not even the parent figure like the beloved Mm -hmm. your lover Mm -hmm. the divine as your lover and and i don't know it exactly but Rumi has a quote about polishing your heart and and that's it we get the gunk all day long if I'm, if I'm not paying attention and our life, I think the, our life is about polishing our hearts. Our life is about how much more can I know myself? How much more can Mm -hmm. I fall in love with myself? And you know, do the work of discovering who I am. I mean, we have geeked out on so many things with astrology, human design, like all of it. And and now we're going to geek out on the nine different types of empaths and we'll make sure that everybody has this quiz, but I don't know if there's anything you wanted to share about that quickly, just the different types of empaths.
2: Yeah. So there are numerous different types of empaths, which is like interesting to discover because I think people either have like this on-off view of like either I'm an empath or I'm not. And it actually, there's a lot of nuance to how does your empathicness, your empathic nature show up for you? Because it presents itself in different ways based on a lot of different factors of your personality, your history, Mm -hmm. your preferences, um, your shadow work, all of these things. And so I've distilled a lot of them down into basically nine core types kind of like the enneagram or something like that. And you can go through and take a quiz on my site which is free and just go through and it's it's six questions, right? It's like super super fast. You both took it. Yeah. And it's surprising What kind of um, accuracy is possible with those questions? And you'll find out what type you are. And that, that has a lot of clues for you, not just about like where your gifts are and what maybe your shadows or your challenges lie in, but also like how do you want to express your purpose? Because if you don't express your purpose in a way that is supported by your sensitivity, you will get in the way of living your purpose without even knowing that that's what you're doing. And so there's a lot of clues as far as what type of empath you are to help you just steer your life more consciously in the direction of the the desire of your soul, right? Like the purpose for you being here. Um, It's one of our biggest pains is not feeling like we're following that and Mm. not knowing what that is and what is that asking of us? Mm-hmm. I have a whole challenge around finding your purpose. And my view on that is similar to protection. It's not quite what you think. Um, but it's, it's an important first step to kind of see how these sensitivities show up for you and how you can power mm-hmm. yourself up more um, authentically to the way that you're made. Because mm-hmm. I, I look at it as empaths aren't, it's not an identity. Like you don't, yeah. maybe you think you identify as an empath, but it actually, it's how you're made. It's not who you are. And mm-hmm. that kind of removes some of the weirdness around that label for me, at least, because I don't, I'm not like, I'm an empath, what, what? It's just like, <laughs> it, this is, it's kind of like saying I'm blonde and, you know, I have light skin. Like, this is just mm-hmm. kind of how I'm made. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I can be ashamed of that or I can learn how to work with it.
1: Which is the, the work of everyone's, like, that's it, the permission to be yourself. How am I made? What's my truth? Yeah, not to do. what does life tell me? and what does our patriarchal culture yeah. tell me? Mm-hmm. What does my family tell me to do? And the, we'll post the links everywhere for people to follow that quiz. And, and I do just wanna say how powerful it was to take it with Kate, cause I knew I was a sensitive person and then meeting Kate, it was like a whole different level of sensitivity. And then I, t- <laughs> I like had a moment of like, oh, well maybe I'm not all that sensitive cause it doesn't look like Kate rather than, yeah. oh, I'm a different type which is the same gift of what astrology does, what human design has done, what the Enneagram has done and how we, you know, Kate and I were taking a stand that everyone can live the life and relationship they want. But now it feels like this whole other level of the celebration of exactly who women are and supporting Mm -hmm. them in deeper than, of course, you have permission to do your life and relationship how you want, but it's like you have permission to do you how you fucking want. (laughs) and and how you're made like how you're made
0: how magical how magical we all are and how many women are so so far away from the truth of who they are and the truth of their soul and yeah that's my wish and hope with this podcast is that we give as many women permission as possible to just come home to Mm -hmm. who they are and to Mm -hmm. fall have the courage to follow their heart and yeah. I'm in love with you. You're a magical fairy. <laughs> I love you so much. This is my favorite conversation of life. Both <laughs> of you, was... obviously, Catherine. I love you. But
1: I, no, I, I, I started was... to feel jealous for a second. But I then... <laughs> <could> feel like <laughs> I was like, don't worry, I lo- you're but then my wife. I remembered so I love you. <laughs> that Kate Harlow falls in love with everyone. Uh, and em- not a Everyone. He's like that's magical the truth. people <laughs> just
0: magical people um, but I just Aww. yeah I, I I feel this is the first episode I felt like w- it was actually your last rant Catherine. Um, oh. I don't remember what you were saying but I was cr- I, I got emotional it's the first episode yeah. I felt like I feel so deeply moved mm. by this conversation and oh. I'm so happy that you're doing the work mm. in the world you're doing and I can't wait to tell Thank all you. my clients about it I'm like thrilled I'm gonna get on Facebook live right now and be like yes. go, go all. I, I have a little
1: this
2: I'm so happy to hear that. And I have a little Sufi offering. Yeah. Um, if you're open to it, because yes. it just like seems like it wants to be made. Yes. So this is a song about how God is your lover, your um beloved and your love. Mm. And it's actually, I believe, a message from your own heart. To yourself. Mm. And it's a song. So I want to sing it just real quick. Yes. (laughs) If that's okay. Of course. (sighs) So everyone, just receive what you want to receive and what feels good to receive from this.
3: All I ask of you is forever to remember me as loving you. All I ask of you is forever to remember me. As loving you, Ishkala Mabulelia, Ishkala Mabulelia, Ishkala Mabulelia, Ishkala Mabulelia. All I ask of you is forever to remember me as loving you. All I ask of you is forever to remember me as loving you. Ishkala mabuleliya, Ishkalama pulelia Ishkala bulelia, Ishkala mabuleliya, Wow.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Mm. My Sufi name is Layla. Ah. Deep love. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Oh my God. Wow. That was so beautiful. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being you and thank you for your time yes. today and sharing yourself with us. I cannot wait for the world to hear this episode. Me too. And we will post all of the links below and we'll post the quiz and is there anything you want to say some any other parting words on how women can find you go play with you over at Empath to Power podcast.
2: Yes, Yes, come find me on my podcast. Episode number one is a great place to start because it'll help you understand the signs and symptoms of being an empath beyond the typical conversation. And Mm -hmm. you can just go from there and basically play like podcast Oracle, just like close your eyes and pick one and it'll probably have exactly what you need. Um, and you can come find me on Instagram. I am super loving that space. There's a lot of kindness and beauty um, over there. And I try to contribute that with my feed and a fair dose of like, you know, hey, we don't have to be Pollyanna positive all the time in order to like live our truth. And I'm not going to smile more. I'm not going to meet your expectations. And this is what recovering from people pleasing looks like in the public eye. And mm-hmm. I'm going to do it anyway, even if it's uncomfortable. And you can too. Mm-hmm. So that's at Lola, at the Lola Pickett on Instagram. And it's the same on Facebook, the same on Pinterest, like all the places. And mm-hmm. you'll find my website there and all the things. Thank Beautiful. you. Love it so ah!
0: much. <laughs> Hey, so good. Thank you. Best ever. Thank you so much. I feel so honored to know you. This is Mm. amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you.
1: Thank you for listening to the New Truth Podcast.
0: You are a woman first. Throw away the fairy tale story so that you can have the real thing and a life that you freaking love. If you loved what you heard today, be sure to rate, review, and share it with all of the amazing women in your life who need to hear this message. And it's all women. Every woman. Like every woman you know.
1: Share it with your grandma. You can find us on Instagram at The New Truth Podcast and our website, thenewtruthpodcast.com. Sign up to receive your free gift from us. The three major myths about love keeping you settling, sacrificing, and sabotaging your relationships. Go get it while it's hot. Get it. Stay tuned for our next episode. See you soon. See you soon.